Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. It's more interesting than the Superb Owl. This is the latest episode of the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's seven, and we're broadcasting live from the passenger seat of a Blackbeard motivational speech. Oh, I love it. I love that you brought that in there. Uh, let's go. Let's go. I can't. I can't even. I'm feeling I can't, positive. I can't even do stuff with that much enthusiasm and <laughs> that much fakiness. I apologize. Uh, this week, Panda Global gets some sex education. Changes are coming to Artifact. Those NFL skins are back in Fortnite for some reason. And Wizard of the Coast makes their first esports misstep. But first, Denial Esports is back in a super positive way. They have made moves into CS:GO and Call of Duty. Uh, now, this is a new ownership group from the one that did not pay anybody's bills. Uh, but if you ask Seven, uh, it's not necessarily any better than what they had before. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's good that there's another organization that is paying for players to uh, take place in events. And live their best life. And, oh, geez. I just... The, first off, I don't know. Uh, the, the two people who... Bought out uh, Denial Esports back in December. Zach Smith of Money Matches. Yep, there's a gambling site, basically, that now owns a team. Uh, and Valve doesn't care, evidently, because they're getting into CSGO here. And then uh, Patrick Blackbeard uh, Smith, who is formerly of the Anaheim Pirates. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I He's the one that we're kind of making, poking fun at. Anyway, check out his videos. He's on his Twitter account. Is that where these awesome yeah, videos yeah. are taking place? I, I played like I played like three of them. When Brian was like, "I'm going to shoot myself." Stop. It's like Gary Vaynerchuk and Mojo Raleigh had a child, and this dude is just like he's motivational and he's positive and he's screaming and he's got horsepower yeah. and testosterone. It, and it's just like every bad YouTube video cliche, like vlog while driving. It's it's I don't know. Anyways, uh, I guess I can appreciate the enthusiasm. But really, the big thing is like, you know, this is an organization uh, that is stepping up to take over from, or these are these are a couple of people that are stepping up to take over an organization that like, uh, that Ring Nolid basically drove into the ground. They were, I mean, they have uh, my respect for the fact that they they when in buying it out, they paid back the debts that he owed to yep. those players. So that's awesome. That is great that that occurred. They are expanding into CS:GO. Uh, we've got a Gears of War. I think Call of Duty just got picked up as well. Yeah, yeah. They've gone and bought at two separate organizations, essentially, to get into CSGO and into uh, Call of Duty. Where Call of Duty, obviously, one of the games that they were known for previously. I think it's 2015 they won uh, Call of Duty outright world championship. Yeah, and then there's also uh, Halo, I think, is the other one that they ju- they've jumped into thus far. So it's great that, that, that they're there. I just, um, I mean, to give you an example... Uh, Outside of just the great YouTube-ish videos, uh, Zach Smith of Money Matches had his Twitter account suspended <laughs> as of the time of this uh, this recording, and I couldn't even figure out anything about him. Like, it's just because he's super positive. Twitter maybe, just couldn't handle it. Maybe I don't know. Anyways, I just I have concerns over a gambling site buying into a team again. Well, you made a point. Like this is supposed to be something that Valve does not allow, but here they are now owning a CS:GO squad. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and I imagine it won't make any difference, but because rules are just whatever <laughs> when it comes to Valve. I think they're just staying positive that uh, Valve won't do anything. <laughs> so another story that popped up, which I thought was uh, interesting, I guess. Uh, so Sex Education and Andrew's Game Star uh, Aja Butterfield joins Panda Global to compete in uh, the Genesis Six Smash Tournament. Uh, hilarious results, by the way. So, but but Panda Global is again doing something really unique in esports. They're going out. They're finding. A, I don't know what tier celebrity he would be. He's in like a couple of Netflix series, essentially. And Ender's Game is pretty decent. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think anybody 
is going to remember him from Ender's Game because if you look at him, he doesn't exactly right strike right. you as a character from that movie. Right. But and, so that aside, I mean, Panda Global is doing some interesting things. We we talked about the Kickstarter what like two weeks ago that they're doing uh, where they're trying they're making their own um, the hardware the, the, the hardware yeah. yeah but, but I mean, but I'm saying they're actually making hardware now as a company. Uh, which will actually help out the scene in a lot of ways. What well, you got to make money somehow because Lord knows it's not from FGC prize pools anymore. This is also true. This is also true. I mean, I just think this is really cool. Panda Global doing something unique. They've, I've seen them partner with the, uh, like Geico. They do the Hearthstone stuff as well. They're largely one of the people that put put that on. Until um, it started costing them millions of dollars to license. Until, the game. Yeah, it probably won't happen. No, we'll get to that later. But anyways, <laughs> we love you, Sammy. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the thing that you referenced earlier was that uh, Mr. Butterfield did not make it out of pools. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I knew I had one other thing to go and talk about, but <laughs> I, I just lost it. I was, staying, I was just staying positive that you'd uh, figure it out. Well, you know, I'm always here to pick up the pieces. Uh, moving on, Psionics has announced RLCS Season 7 details. This will be the first season that RLCS will feature crossplay. and Also, South America will be joining as a region. Uh, what do you think the impact of both these things are ultimately going to be? I think anytime you can add more competitors from different regions uh, and the crossplay is also really cool. I, I think that's a, definitely a positive. Um, There's that word again. Yeah, I know. Take a I shot know. every time you hear the word positive <laughs> in this episode, folks. Wait, are we allowed <laughs> to say this that? Is, this is a positive as in like a good thing, not just like an ethereal feeling. Uh, so <laughs> in all honesty, I feel like when they were doing uh, tournaments – I when like competitive RLCS, they're already using a controller, so it's almost console based, anyways. So it doesn't really matter what shape your controller is; you're still playing on a console. I'm sure there will be differences, like if again someone playing on a Switch might have different uh, lag versus somebody who is playing on a like PS4 or Xbox. The lack of ability to hardwire is the biggest drawback for everything on the Switch, right? And so I think there might be some some differences or some problems there. Uh, and we'll inevitably find that, like, on one console, it runs better. You get so many more frames per second, whatever it may be. But really, it, it's not the it's not the same as someone playing on, like, a PS4 versus someone playing on a PC in Fortnite. It's different. I mean, everybody's already using a controller in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think the biggest impact this is going to have is going to be more on the open side of things where people are trying to play into competing in the RLCS, the pros are going to play the way they've always played, and it's not really going to impact them. It's supposedly supposed to allow more people to be involved in the game. Right. And so it'll do it more from a grassroots standpoint. As far as South America getting brought on, I think this has two interesting impacts. One is, is what does this mean for the distribution of the prize pool? And is that going to distribute in a way that gives less money to teams because there are more teams participating. And if they're going to work South American teams into the finals, that means at least how things live now, if they want to keep the same number of teams, which is eight, they're actually going to have to have the EU and North America give up one slot each. So it'll be surprising to see if they do that or if they go to a 10-team tournament this time, which will throw the numbers completely off. And, but We Dem Girls is gone, so... Who do we, we root for? We don't even watch it now. Not That's with true. That's true. I just want one of those t-shirts. <laughs> All right. Speaking of tournaments, uh, Capcom did reveal their 2019 Pro Tour schedule and some rule changes earlier. Uh, what was it? To this weekend, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. And so uh, there are some interesting changes coming to the CPT next year. Which one of these changes, I'm not going to announce them just yet, but which one of these changes do you think will have the biggest impact? Yeah, so there's a few things here. Uh, one being that the reigning champion, you know, gets an automatic qualifying spot. We'll have to continue to compete, however, for seating purposes. But probably the biggest one, in my opinion, is this increased uh, tier. So we had premier events, which were you know things like Evo and right. that nature, and there's actually going to be now super premier events, which will have a higher point total for winners. And that is going to be at the Evo 2019 Championships, the Japan Premier, and the North American Regional Final will be the only three super premier events. Um, I think it's awesome from the standpoint that we are going to get to see 
these tournaments, especially Evo, mean even more to the Capcom Pro Tour. Right, right. So it's going to draw more and more attention. I think because of the hyper-competitiveness of these events, it is, should be worth more points because this is not your average run-of-the-mill Red Bull event or something of that nature. Right, right. Like, this is a nationwide event. Um, sometimes a worldwide event in the case of Evo, especially. Um, so I think it's a really, really smart move. Um, it, it'll be hard to tell what that actually means in the long run. Like, if this all just ends up going to different people and it distributes the points evenly, then great. But if somebody's able to, like, leapfrog, because this is the other potential, right? It's like, if these points are worth enough that you go and you play Evo and you win and you're able to make leaps and bounds up the table, that could also be pretty awesome. But overall, I like the changes. I think they're great. Um, they've needed to treat some of these tournaments, especially ones like Evo, like with more right. than they do your traditional premier event, and this was a good change. Yeah, I think one of the things here is that uh, if if it, these super premier events like Evo end up having the impact on the Pro Tour in the sense of you win that, you don't win anything else the rest of the year, but you still have qual- qualify enough. Uh, to actually get in near the end, like then it'll that, kind of feel like Hearthstone. Yeah, then it'll well, it'll feel like a lot of things, right? Like people who like one off. It'll seem like Liquid and Team Liquid and CS:GO, where they just like win one major and then they qualify. They're for just a legends team yeah. forever. Like, right, how right. do you get into everything? Yeah, so that's essentially I, I, what I'm hoping it doesn't uh, turn into. But I am very glad that they are weighting some of these larger tournaments more heavily and distributing more points because. Uh, again, like you mentioned, there's a ton of people who play these. They're super competitive. A lot of money is spent going to these tournaments, too. And they don't have the greatest of prize pools ever, even Evo. Um, but I, I think it's it's definitely a, a huge bonus. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, we've talked in the past about Wizard of the Coast and their new Mythic Invitational. So they announced some details, and people are already worked up. Now, we know that there is going to be a $10 million esports circuit in general. Um, and one of the things they announced for this first Mythic Invitational is that they're going to have a fair amount of the slots that are going to be invites. And those invites did not go to the people that the community wanted it to and instead went to streamers, some of which are not longtime Magic players, paper game or otherwise, but people that are you know basically there for marketing purposes. And it's got people pretty worked up. What are your thoughts on them not bringing more traditional competitive players in from a sport so to speak that has a long lineage of people to pull from even if magic gathering arena is fairly new well i think it's it's called an invitational for that reason so you right? just invite whoever the hell we want right it is uh they didn't have to invite anybody and i know that's not like the answer a lot of people were expecting me to say but like it it's true this is a show match in a lot of ways, <clears throat> they could just call it a show match in general, um, but but then it'd be Fortnite. <laughs> then it would be Fortnite. Uh, I think I think that it's it's something that um, they have to do some marketing to get it out there. There's a different uh, market of people and players that are used to see, like Hearthstone how it's run. They're trying to grab that audience, and what they're doing is grabbing some of these Twitch streamers who are big in the the Hearthstone field and pull, yanking those over to Magic the Gathering. Now, I understand where the, these people are upset. Like they've worked to to reach certain levels in which, like, just it's incredible grinds. They spend all this time to reach platinum and and can't even get an invite. Someone said they were like fifth ranked and they can't even get in. Didn't get an invite. Yep. And I and I totally, totally, totally understand how much that sucks. And some of these people are the ones that when Magic Gathering Arena took over on, on stream were, were helpful in terms of uh, growing the viewership right. in Twitch. But this has been the case with every card game, right? Like, basically, everything coming post-Hearthstone has gone and grabbed those Hearthstone pros, those Hearthstone streamers, and that's how you've gotten people playing Gwent and... Uh, right. An artifact and whatnot, but it's a, it's a pretty the thing to keep in mind is this Mythic Invitational is not related directly to the Pro Tour. So the Pro Tour is thirty two of the slots essentially. So people who are participating in the Pro League take up half of these sixty four. Right. Eight of these are going to come from the top eight on the Mythic Ladder ranking season for February, which is a very very like it's like ladder on crack for you Hearthstone right. players. Um, but there are things as you mentioned. There's the MTG Pro Players Club which people are platinum ranked in that are not given the opportunity because essentially these other 24 slots are going to random Twitch streamers. I think people are upset because there's a million dollars on the line here. And so they feel like 
for this to be the first kind of real outing from an esports perspective, invitational or otherwise, for the game, that they're pretty disappointed that they're not getting a chance to win this big prize pool. Yeah, and that totally makes sense. I feel like a, a lot of them assume that they would have more uh, more pull, being that they, they're coming from the traditional card based magic the gathering and that's not so much the case they're treating it differently and they're there's they're knocking out a portion of this um this tournament specifically for online streamers and to get the this stuff out there versus again someone who's if you're watching twitch you may not know who is platinum ranked in the actual card based right, right. magic gathering and so you don't have the pool and so it is totally marketing it is an invitational i get it they can't pull from everywhere but the fact that they filled up over half of it essentially with, with people who are already in the scene, is pretty good, I, I feel. Yeah, I mean, you are never going to do this cleanly. You have the, one of the weird things about Magic is that there is not any difference between Arena and the base card game now at this point, and you have to like figure out a way to co-mingle those two, which any, no other card game has had to deal with. Right, it's true. Nobody's They're, they're breaking molds here. Breaking molds. <laughs> All right, last week we talked, uh, I believe we talked about artifact on the last I mean, show we talk was... about artifact at the end of every show because it's a good way to go you know our lives could be worse we could be on the artifact f team <laughs> that's true anyways but we talked about the fact that they had shed something like 98 percent of their viewer or viewers well anyways all the above uh their actual player base now one of the things that came out like right around that time was they dropped a new patch like almost like right when we were recording yep. um and so since then a couple things have been data mined and uh, such as a, a potential puzzle mode, a Unity conversion, which could be useful uh, if you're going mobile. But, I mean, there's a single a single player campaign that was also talked about. Um, do, does any of this have a chance to revive Artifact? Nope. <laughs> All right, moving when on. You have, when you have 98% of your player base in, what, three months? And that's probably being generous. I think it's less than that. Yeah. Shed. It doesn't matter what you do. Like, what you do is you get a good, solid player base. Hearthstone had a great player base, went mobile, brought in single player, and it got that already rampant base to go out and pull more friends in, right? Like, hey, you don't like ladder? Check out these other cool ways to play the game. Like, oh, you don't have a PC that can run it? No big deal. Pull out your phone. Kind of hard to do that when there's like more people in this apartment complex I live in than playing Artifact right now. <laughs> like, if I have to go door to door and be like, "Hey, you hear there's an Artifact mobile client?" Like, it's just and the fact that they haven't announced it yet means that yeah, there's some Unity conversion code in there. I don't doubt that they're working on it. I mean, you are just flat out idiotic to have a card game right now that is not mobile, but it's too late. Like, right. I don't even think it would matter had they launched with it, but it sure as hell does not matter now. I think I would play it more if it was on mobile. The problem is the game still lasts way too long. It's not like Hearthstone where you're in and out and like within it's not a toilet well, depending. Game. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a toilet, toilet game. game. But again, with Hearthstone, you're generally done within under 15 minutes where these, you're not even, I mean, you're looking at probably like 30 to 45 minutes on a, on a session. And so it's, and that UI is so much more challenging than Hearthstone right, is right. on mobile. I can't even imagine. I mean, they have to find a way to go mobile. Uh, I'm surprised that they didn't build this straight up from Unity to begin with. Uh, the fact that they're trying to convert it over now it really does feel like an afterthought. That was one of the things that was unique with Hearthstone is Team 5 started off building it in Unity from the ground up. And there's nothing super special about the way Artifact plays. They couldn't have just done it in Unity no, from the beginning. There isn't. But there was other things data mined like uh, imp customization. So it looks like they're doing a lot of these like little customizations uh, that you can do, which sounds very microtransaction and what they're going to in the future. I it, Maybe get more people playing before you worry about milking more people for money. Yeah, I think part of the issue is that they're not adding any real features to the game, uh, except for maybe like a single-player campaign, which is really just playing the AI anyways. Right. So... Uh, I don't. I don't see where they're going to go. Where they're going to go? I don't know what saves artifact at this point in time, I mean, except going completely free to play, adding yeah. in all this single player content, relaunching on mobile, and I don't giving them a core set. I don't know when has going free to play ultimately saved anything. Like, uh, well, CS:GO currently. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't but, say that they needed saving. No, but. and that's what I'm talking about. There's a difference when you just adjust your model over time. I mean, it was the MMO death knell for years, right? Like, oh, we started out with a subscription. Oh, we're going free to play, and some survived, but with like you know less than a hundred thousand players, uh, which was artifact would kill to have that many yeah. players right I, now. I think a lot of times what happens is those games that start off free to play 
uh, already have the model built into the game and how they're going to be supported. It's when they try and switch gears that it just ends up breaking the people who already quartered the game, maybe getting like a short surge of people in. But it doesn't really doesn't really feel like it, it'll last. Nope, nope. So yeah, keep changing things. Artifact. I, I still think this game will be dead within a year. I it would not be surprised if if Valve pulls it. But they, here's the thing: like, when has Valve pulled any other games? Like when that? have they ever had a game do this poorly? Like, right. That's we're what I'm on, saying. We're this is new ground for like, Valve. Yeah, we've never had this situation before. It's, I don't know. I don't know. Weird. Time will tell. Yes. Uh, So Overwatch is getting a new assault map. Paris was announced this past week in a very uh, muted fashion. Yeah, this is really weird for them to announce it this way. I spent a good 20 minutes on Twitter trying to find the video that they almost always post, but instead it just kind of went straight to the PTR. Uh, So I spent some time, we'll talk about this in a minute, spent some time on the PTR today playing through Paris. Uh, We haven't had an assault map since Horizon Lunar Colony. Uh, What do you think of the latest take on the map type? I think it's it proposes a, a couple of situations which will likely be more uh, more diff- make it more one of the more difficult assault maps. Uh, even when you were playing for a little while, that we saw that uh, uh, I think like it, it, there's reminiscence of like Hanamura in there, and and how you kind of hold that last point at least B. Yeah. Um, a is really awkward because you have like you're in stuck in like a, a triangle and you can still be booped off the edge too, which is yeah, ridiculous. which is a little bit like some of the Busan points, but right. yeah, it's it's kind of uh, a little more difficult to defend, but it also has this kind of weird bottleneck, which reminiscent of like Hollywood in some ways, like the very very first we have like a higher ground, but yep. because the streets are so narrow, that high ground doesn't work as well as you think it is. Because as you, it's as all, I learned, you can get <laughs> shot from all three angles at the same time. <laughs> right, right, right. I, it felt like, and take this from somebody who's never been higher than platinum in Overwatch. So please don't send me angry emails when some pro tells you this is stupid. I felt like you had to play up in the chokes very, very closely over the high versus the high ground because there really isn't a way to establish a good base on defense if you're not in that choke point. Because as soon as you... So, for example, that first choke point you're describing is similar-ish to the first choke point in Hollywood. There are two exits in the midst of that choke point that allow them to flank you from either side. One side on the high ground that you think you have, and the other side right around to the point itself. Uh, So it makes it really, really hard to to sit up on the high ground and try to defend. Um, But if you were defending on the point, you have... Four angles in which they can come from, plus you can be booped off the entire backside. There is no safety on the backside of that point at all, uh, which is not great. Now, we saw uh, Arissa really seem, like, seemed to be a, a great choice for holding down point A. A lot of people were playing Arissa in that in that position. But he, but once you're because it's it's even though you can be booped off, the entryways are ways to get in from that that kind of three prong attack uh, are doorways around the site. So there's ways to get around that right. kind of shield, and if you do, it's really dangerous. But you've got to get through a small hallway on both sides to even make that happen. And I, I, there's I, I feel like some of those. Uh, uh, I guess some of those heroes that can get environmentals uh, kills really easy, like Lucio. Yep. Uh, even Farah is going to be really dangerous on that one. Uh, even Ash now with the coach gun. That's true. Yeah, but you got to get in close enough to do it. And I just feel like those will be really instrumental in taking those points. And it, it, again, it's it's kind of like that that choke on Volskaya, um, where you're trying to get through a doorway, but now you're just you're way more open, right? Like yeah. you, you're trying to hold down. <laughs> imagine trying to hold down that first entryway. But then everybody can get like around you almost 360. It's it's rough. Yeah, that second point, insane. So they basically said, how could we make the second point of Hanamura even harder? And they basically give you a faster path from the spawn point. You literally almost walk out the door onto the freaking control point. There are 360 degrees of rooms all around the control point. Then they're not up high, and they're not complicated to walk through like they are on Hanamura. It is just basically a step, you know, half a floor up. And there is stuff happening from all directions. you got a damn statue in the middle, so it's already got the wrecking ball just, like, going around in a circle. Um, It is both simultaneously really, really hard to hold, but also really hard to capture for the same reason, because they come back so quickly, and they can come from so many different angles. You really have to watch yourself. And, you know, you talked about Arisa being really good on the first point, useless on the second point, because you need to reposition constantly on it. 
Yeah, Ryan definitely is, def- is definitely better on that second point um, because there all the smaller rooms, you, you're getting people from all different angles. If you try and lock yourself into one corner, you just can't. We're even seeing Symmetra being incredibly dangerous in that area because there's just, just so like many shooting, corners and nooks. Yeah, shooter turrets everywhere. Yeah, so many corners, so many nooks. So if you come in from an entryway, it's just it's almost like a death room if Symmetra has any time to, to set up. Winston's also great because you can use that bubble to cover so many different angles because it's really your only shot at, like, you can at least give yourself, you know, 180 degrees protection, which is necessary because there's just so many ways into that room. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's a very balanced map because it is both hard to take and defend that last point. Yeah. And well, I think Winston does good in terms of a protection standpoint. It's almost like an anti dive comp room because of all these like small fights that will end up happening on the outside that you can't, there's no clear path for you. Just like jump in, dive in. Like I don't, I didn't see, I I mean, off the top of my head, I don't see any way for like fair to easily fly in on the first point. You've got a little bit of angle. You can go up to the left and you have a whole ledge where you can probably cause some damage on that first point. The second point, unlike Hanamura, where you don't want to fight in the choke at all. And you're all, you're going up the side, getting that high ground. You don't have that option. You can't go down the choke. Every time we attempted to go straight through the choke is completely useless. But when you come around to the right or the left, you're putting yourself in that position in those small rooms characters like Farah, Widowmaker aren't going to have a whole lot of angles in that second room, especially on attack. And you're putting yourself right into those areas where you don't have a whole, there's no high ground. You're not doing it to gate high ground. You're just doing it to get in the damn room. Yeah. So now the more I think about it, it almost seems like they changed what type of comp would be better for each uh, point, right? It's very much more of like a, a dive, a dive comp, uh, something you can cover a lot of ground really fast, maybe get some angles on, yep. in, environmentals on the first one. And the second one is just slugfest. You jump in with Hammond, spin around for an hour, and it's just almost impossible to like clear you half the time. Uh, it's just the, the dynamic changes a lot for an assault map, I feel like, more so than we, we've seen in the past. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I was going to say that where if you think about Anubis, Lunar Colony, uh, even Volskaya, really, though, to a lesser degree, I feel like the same comp works on both points fairly consistently. You have the same verticality, like Anubis is a perfect example, where you have the same verticality to it, um, versus here, it is very much a high and open map for the first control point, and a very low and condensed and hard-to-maneuver map for the second point. Uh, even at Hanamura, where, yes, you're inside, there's a lot of verticality to that temple that you're in on the second point, where you don't have that at all on the second point of Paris. I would say Paris is actually, would you say it's smaller than Anubis? And it feels like it's a really small map. It is a very small, compact map. I, I feel like you're a fair way away from attack spawn to the first control point. But once you get there, the distance from the control point A to B is super small. The distance from spawn for the defenders to point B is really small. It's It's really about... The area around the control points is very large. Like there's a lot of room to maneuver around the control points, especially control point two. But the distance between them is very compact. Yeah, I think it's a with uh, with Reaper you can cover that in just like no time at all. You saw like one I, Reaper, one like, dude just literally disappeared on me. I was like, where the hell? And like, then you're being back capped. <laughs> yeah, being back capped. Like, where did he go? Yeah, it's uh, I I'm enjoying it so far. I it, I would love to see. It's uh, being played by pros in the uh, Overwatch League just to see what the meta kind of shakes out. To see how wrong we were about our assessment. And they're like, no, right. no, no, it's, it's right. this. Well, I mean, we were even able to hop on the PTR and you were kind of in some like zero gravity stuff trying to find some additional angles and things. Yep. And it, it's it's a, it's a complicated and compact map. There's but, a lot going on in a small space. But it almost it almost feels like it's a for one of those assault maps that – from like a defending standpoint, it's really hard to defend. It just seemed yeah. very brutal to try and defend that. It definitely did. But overall, I've enjoyed it. We'll see how it actually plays out when we have people playing for real on it. Uh, also, beautifully done map, as per usual for Blizzard. Like a lot of detail. People are going to probably find all sorts of hidden gems and potential hints at future heroes. Oh, yeah. That's what you got to look for. So I did mention the Overwatch League. Uh, they did announce the all access pass for season two. It is now live up on Twitch, and they've added a couple of things here. Um, but have they added enough for you, Brian, to actually jump in and pull the trigger on this one? Well, I mean, you're asking the guy that just buys everything because he doesn't know any better. Um, I think overall, how much is it in terms of Funko Pops? <laughs> uh, I mean, literally the shelf behind you, maybe one. Like so. Uh, all right, there you go. 
I think they did a good job. I mean, the the tokens have always made it worth it because you get 200 tokens which get you a skin which is already a 9.99 value to begin with. This thing's only 14.99. Right. Uh, you know you're going to get at least one exclusive thing. We got the loose the crazy Lucio DJ emote last year. So, again, like, there's your value. And they're adding a lot of uh, features as far as the command center goes. There's all these custom layouts. You can follow each player individually. If you're a hardcore Overwatch fan or you want to learn how to play from the pros, there's no better way to spend $14.99 than what they've set up for this. Yeah, I think just being able to watch individual cams is an absolute win for me. That alone is worth it. Just because we've talked about how difficult it is to watch it from a, a – uh, like an overview, uh, like a Overwatch kind of view. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. An Overwatch like, view. Uh, watch, watch, watch. Anyways, yeah, observer. There we go. Those are the words. Observer view. It's still tough to follow uh, a lot of times, and it's much easier to follow if you're in the mindset of how you're playing it on based on right, one character. Right, instead of being jumped around. Right, and I think that that is a an awesome feature. The added bonus of being able to learn how some of these players play um, and some of the tactics directly while you're not being bounced around from like cam to cam to cam. I think it's a, a total win. I, in CSGO, we have, they, they have it for E-League. I have admittedly, I haven't used it that much because the observers in CSGO are, are really good. And it, the, the pace is much slower. You yep. get a better understanding of everything. It's not a neon shit show. Yeah, it's true. Uh, however, in Overwatch, I think this is almost this is needed more because the only times I ever understand really what's fully going on in Overwatch is when I'm actually able to watch someone for more than like ten seconds. Yeah, when we get like I the slow mo replay of one player doing a thing. Right, right. Now, so, one thing I, I didn't I read through this and it wasn't clear to me. So remember the World Cup, the beta tested the like in game observer mode, right, where you're actually oh, yeah. behind the camera doing whatever you want to do to the replay, similar to what we've seen in Dota. Unclear to me. I saw some reports saying it's included, but when I read the announcement, I saw no mention of that specific feature. So I don't know if that's actually going to be part of this new command center or not. I'm wondering if it'll if it's just not ready and it'll be announced a little bit later. That seems like really kind of a blizzard thing to do, right? Maybe we'll we'll see. We'll get it like in. week three randomly because that's when it's actually ready. Yeah, I, I feel like it's probably not 100 percent ready. Yeah, because we heard nothing about how well they thought it went at the World Cup, and we were not able to do it because we found out after we got to BlizzCon that it was PC only, and we only had our Macs with us, so we were unable to watch it because that was one of the things we wanted to do is actually experience right, that right. in the new command center. But at the time, it was only for PC. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's more than likely just not ready, and because of that, they're they're, they're unwilling to throw throw that the weight behind it because what happens is is if you say hey this is in the all access pass and it doesn't work correctly or even if it's not there at the beginning but comes in three weeks then people are like oh you promised this but if you're like all of a sudden on week three like hey we added this and then maybe more people jump in they're like oh crap my 1499 is worth even more right so it's just from a marketing standpoint well yeah it's a hell of a deal for an entire season for 50 Actually, bucks. what happens is is uh, it's only viewable through the Diablo mobile client. Oh, God. Oh, God. And you have to reload with tokens that you buy every month? Like, oh, you are out of time. I'm sorry. Put in more tokens. Oh, that sounds like it's some kind of like Overwatch League peep show. Well, I was trying to just leave that there without you picking it up and throwing it in our faces. But, you know, that's what happens to peep shows. <laughs> all right, all right. Moving on. Uh, Rivalry has announced a weekly series of Thunderdome events where participants pick who they think will win at a set of 19 matches that span the entire week with a thousand dollars up for grabs i know how you feel about them bettings around esports what is your take on this particular thing it's it's almost they're basically trying to boost viewership numbers of their events is really what it boils down to and how they're calling this betting or how they're circumventing a lot of like the legal stuff in certain countries is it's more of like a contest. You create an account, you choose like who you think will win. And then as long as you're watching it, you basically earn the ability to pot, be like thrown into the pool to actually win. Aren't we in weird territory where the people who are taking your bets are also the people who are running the events that you're betting on? Imagine that. Well, so it's only a thousand dollars. If nobody wins, it gets carried over. It's uh, another. It's just. It's kind. It's just a way of boosting the tournaments, really, in terms of viewership numbers. And I don't know how well this is even going to to pan out. Like, I feel like we've seen this before, where they've offered things during events, like. I don't know, maybe you get like emotes or you get an in-game like spray or whatever it may be. But this is just a chance to randomly win. If you watch 
one of 10 matches. Like you have to watch like all these matches. I just don't see people buying in this much for it. No, you have to have a gambling problem and also like esports for this to make any sense for you. Otherwise, like just go watch an it's actual just, esport. Pe- people are just going to leave the darn browser open the entire time. It's really what it's going to boil down to. They're just going to carry numbers. It's all it is. It's just a numbers play from a streaming yep. standpoint because they want to be able to say we've got eighty thousand people watching this, but really there's it's the equivalent to having like seventy thousand bots more than likely. Yep. Um, and so that they can kind and of it's push cheaper than buying numbers. bot viewers, and you're less likely to get caught. So it's it is. Oh, this is this is the new way to bot your your Twitch uh, streams, evidently. So, okay, let's talk about this 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 Hearthstone game, which I I love. You so you were just so people know you were watching videos of a person that you hated because you were trying to get in the right mindset so you could rant about these next two topics. So just prepare yourself. Okay, folks. so it's but here's the thing. Uh, so Blizzard came out and said they will announce the new Hearthstone format on uh, the 19th of of this month of February. So. Hearthstone Esports started their first year now. I guess uh, we we talked about Chichu leaving, and now they've they've transitioned over to Sam Braithwaite, who's the former lead for uh, what, he, what was it? Heroes of the Storm, StarCraft Classic, and Warcraft Three. He's jumped in to take over for Chichu. We don't know what's going on with Hearthstone. I'm glad you're talking about this first, Brian, but. What 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 are your feelings around what what's going to happen on the nineteenth? What better man than the guy who has brought us such amazing esports successes as the HGC? Uh, when was the last time we heard anything about a Warcraft three esport event? Yeah, I know China got something. I think right. Didn't yeah, they? I mean China gets everything for the for the new one. The yeah. <sighs> For the remaster, right? Yes, for the remaster. But he he's, that this was like two years ago when we interviewed him at BlizzCon. He was in charge of this. I, that's, that's true, yeah. I have no idea. I I have nothing personal against Sam Braithwaite. We've interviewed him multiple times. He's a really nice guy. I don't understand why they keep putting him in charge of things. Like, what is the success? What is the success track record that he has demonstrated being in charge of esports at Blizzard that has made them go, oh, yeah, he's got some great ideas. Let's give him our second best esports property. I don't know what their thought process is right now. And all I think he's honestly, the, he's the last man on the island, so he just kind of gets what's left. And all honestly, I think what happened is is again when that the hero's crew was being separated, pulled apart, thrown on different projects. Chichu left at a time when Sam was like, "Well, I'm out of this esports job," and they just instead of basically letting instead of him firing go, him, they gave they, him they gave him Hearthstone. Hearthstone. And I'm not saying he'll do necessarily a bad job. I don't know how I, I'm kinda saying well well right. I, I don't necessarily know how bad he'll he'll do or how good he'll do. I'm just annoyed that it is now February and we have no idea and we won't know until the nineteenth around what's going on with the HTC. They've already talked about that that they're changing the conquest format. I've heard rumors of this like sideboard format, uh, which has not played out well in the past. And if they jump to that, it could be really annoying in some boring games. Yep. They've talked. There's been talk about picks and bands, which could be cool. They did that in the global games, if I remember. Right. right. And so I think they've experimented with formats. I don't know what format they'll go with. I haven't really seen any formats that work great. <laughs> um, so I don't know where they're going to land. I just would like to know something because. And and here's the thing: as no matter what they choose right now, I guarantee you next year they'll 180 on it, or maybe even it's, it's, well, they'll they do 180 as, and there'll be no more Hearthstone esports. That'll probably be it. And that's what's dangerous, though. It's I don't know what Sam Braithwaite's going to do with this. I don't know if even Blizzard knows what they're going to do with it. And it's one of my it's one of my favorite games. And I, I think know. we just need to go back to Hearthstone being a game that we enjoy watching people play on stream. And call it good and stop trying to make it an esport. It has failed as a marketing campaign because they just can't. A, they do these super long winded tournaments that no one cares about. They take the HCT and now we got playoffs and all this crazy. When was the last time anyone gave a shit about what was going on in the HCT? Like it's just lost so much of that shine it had two years ago. And I would rather see them just support content producers and do more of that if they're only going to do it as a marketing point if they're not going to take it truly seriously which i just don't think they're willing to at this point they've had too many failed experiments with it they've basically given it to the guy who didn't have a job which tells you everything you need to know about how they feel about this right now if they viewed it of even having close to the possibility that the overwatch league has had from a financial standpoint they would not have given it to the guy who tanked the hgc 
Well, what also happened is they killed uh, they killed the momentum on it when they shifted it away from BlizzCon. Yep. Right. I mean, think about it. We're going to be looking at March for the actual final. What other games are ending in in March? It was cool because you got to go much like the Warcraft Arena ha- tournaments have been able to pull from, which is just the energy of having people at BlizzCon for the finals. Otherwise. No one cares. They do it at the studio here in Columbus, and, you know, 100 people show up, and it's like, yay, who gives a crap? And that's kind of what's going on with Hearthstone right now. It's like, do you really want to go and be bored to death? I don't know if you've noticed, but if you go to a Hearthstone tournament live, it is not the most exciting of experiences. The ones at BlizzCon aren't bad because the energy is there. The energy's there, and there's all sorts of crap going around, and you're not just, like, sitting there twiddling your thumbs in between matches, and, like, it's a great place to have that type of tournament. It is very, very hard to get excited when you're just at the Burbank studio, and you're sitting around doing nothing for hours. It's just it, it's not the they right kind of thing. They always need to partner with someone event. like like DreamHack or something to have it at an actual DreamHack. Like they need to have another site event for it. Yep. Hearthstone just doesn't have the draw for a live audience, except for when they do some stuff in like LA. It seems to be okay, but when they do, they try to do these like exotic locations. They always have problems uh, filling it. Or if well, I wouldn't say exactly. Like BlizzCon, they have a hard time filling it because they're doing nothing there. And invitations don't have pool. People just be like, oh, I can watch streamers. Oh, but my people, the people I would normally watch streaming aren't here, uh, are already here at BlizzCon. So I'll just go do whatever and just not mean, watch Hearthstone. You weren't excited about keeping track of the global game for 11 and a half months. Yeah, that's the other problem, too. Is they, they, they've introduced so much in terms of Hearthstone gameplay. They've changed the schedule. Nobody knows when, what's going on because the schedule is. While we know the uh, progress on how it gets to the actual championship, the dates, the times, the wares are just still being like thrown out there last minute. And here's the, yeah, here's the thing: when they switched schedules, they changed how uh, how much money they had to do it on a year. So their budget right. changes. So they don't know the last like three or four tournaments because yeah, which they've is horrible. Like you have we have an entire tournament format. It'd be like League of Legends being like, well. Worlds will happen sometime in the next six months, but we'll announce it later and let you know what the format's going to be when we get there. Like it's, it's just ridiculous because with Hearthstone, they literally have budget changes midway through, and they don't. I don't think they have this all sorted out. It just it's in an awkward spot to have a yearly game, and it overlaps years, and people are just even more confused. We uh, predicted this. Blizzard went way too heavy into esports, and now the whiplash effect is hurting the games. It's hurting the people, and this is just another example of that. Uh, keeping it with Hearthstone, we got some uh, latest round of balance uh, changes coming in the next patch, which actually touched some of the uh, old faithfuls. Uh, we got some of the classic cards that received some nerfs here. Uh, what were your thoughts of the changes to some of these mainstays? I think uh, a lot of them were needed, especially quality. Quality got the biggest bump. The The meme now is that they just do balance changing by just upping the mana cost by one on everything, but the quality <laughs> got hit with that stick twice, Ooh. so it goes from two to four. Extra. I, I think, I mean, a lot of it is, it boils down to Baku and Grey Main, when those cards were introduced, they've even said that they have a hard time balancing against those, because they created cards... Uh, that have now trapped them in not being able to create powerful cards of either even or odd variety because it just increases the power level of even and odd card decks. Because it's not that you get this like one-off combo, whatever it may be. You have a hero power that is basically worth uh, largely around four mana for two. You've got this value every single turn. And if you look at it, the ones, the decks that utilize odd and even the most are the ones with the most powerful hero powers uh, that allows them to sustain and that work well with cards or work completely independently like Odd Warrior in terms of getting armor. Getting four armor every turn doesn't matter. It doesn't have to work with anything, really. I mean, right. Shield Slam, but it doesn't really have to work with anything because it's just way it, more life and it right. keeps stacking, right? Yep. But you don't see people playing odd and even priest because you can only heal yourself to 30 so there's a threshold here and we can go on forever yeah it's just uh, it's i don't know but those are the problems that they're trying to work around um flame tongue totem sucks because really the one of the more viable decks or a very viable deck in shaman is even shaman and now it's kind of getting thrown to the (laughs) thrown to the wayside uh not necessarily 100 percent, but it that was really really useful in even shaman I'll be honest, I don't like this 
odd even meta generally speaking i think what started out was as a cool gimmick to create some certain types of decks has just gone to the point where it's literally like half the freaking classes the best deck to play is either of all odd or all even cards and it's just not it went from a gimmick to basically this dominant thing that you said has boxed them in in so many ways i just want this to cycle out I, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe next balance they just yank Baku and Grey Main. It would make it make complete sense. The cool thing is, is it made you make some decisions around the types of cards you wanted to use in your deck, and it also made it so that like some cards in the past which weren't viable are actually now viable again. Like Raid Leader is a perfect example. Nobody was necessarily playing Raid Leader, but now you're like, well. I need a card. It's a three card. It does good against, it adds well against uh, my Silver Hands recruits. Yeah, boom, it's in. And now it's like a staple card that you see in like On Paladin. But before it never saw play. So when you saw Gray, Gray Main and Baku enter in, you saw all these cards from, uh, sometimes they're even common cards from the, the classic set are now useful, and which is, which is a good thing. But now you've, you've kind of cornered yourself. You can't get away from like, if I make an odd or an even card, it's, you're just screwed. And so in terms of power level, and they always they need to power creep some in this next set because Kobolds is leaving. Right. And the last couple of sets have been so weak because Kobolds, uh, Kobold and Catacombs was so, so overwhelmingly strong. Right. And we're also getting DKs rolling out next time. It's going to be a weird meta, but the, this Baku Greyman, we've got a whole other cycle of it. That's what's hey, scary. This odd even stuff. I'm just. I'm, I'm but really Emerald Spellstone, that one going away or getting bumped up higher, I still still damn value, but at least they can't tempo it out as easy. True. So, yeah. All right. Moving along, uh, TSM have jumped into that. Uh, that path to pro really heavy here signing a junior league of legends team by junior. We mean really junior. Uh, so this is an interesting new angle compared to the usual high school collegiate esports approach. They've actually gone for a middle school team. <laughs> um, I mean, does this have any better chance of providing that, that path to pro I'm saying with quotations, <sighs> You know, as much as I that go, was a heavy side. I know because I'm about to contradict things I've said for weeks. Well, I'm bullish on high school, and I think collegiate is a waste of time. I do think, generally speaking, trying to put some sort of professional system around the path to pro is largely going to be useless because of the age group that you're trying to attach it to. A 15-year-old... If you look what a high school athlete goes through to be a pro high school player... It is practically a second full-time job and has the full school support and there's a lot of things that change and the parents are heavily involved and all those things have to happen. Yet you're talking about a larger than that time commitment for esports. If you look at the amount of hours that a pro player puts in in their day, trying to do that alongside school is really, really challenging. Trying to do that alongside school without the school support without an official system in place, playing in some unregulated or very loosely regulated amateur tournaments. I, it, it's just hard. I don't know how you're going to put an official system in place for these Twitch reactionary-based esports where people are peaking at 18 and 19. It's too hard to get close enough to the kids and make it as important as it needs to be in their lives to be as good at it as, say, a traditional sport. Because while it seems silly when you don't apply the rules to football, but if you look at what kids go through to be a, a football player in high school, it's insane the amount of hours that their parents let them put into that. Gaming just still has that stigma, makes it hard. Trying to do it from arm's length as TSM signing some 15-year-olds in middle school to you know p play in some online tournaments just doesn't feel close enough to make that big of a difference. It's it's super. It's just such a marketing play in general. But come on, the, kids. The thing is, is like TSM, like middle school esports are so dysfunctional, disjointed. It's like, literally it's little league, but just a school's name on it because there's almost no support. And even when you get into high school, really the the support goes with the varsity teams, which is your usually your juniors and seniors, the freshman class, the sophomore classes. They, they play in still the half-assed leagues. Yep. really and so this is even a step further down than that it's equivalent to like having like 
a peewee. It's like the team. AV club after school. Like it's it, just... it really is. It's not going to have support from middle school. Middle schools are just horrible at supporting that. Maybe maybe your school is different. I don't know, but I can't think of any. You're not going to become the next Bergson because you you know played for two hours after school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right, right, and <laughs> you're not going to be able to leave high school to go play. Uh, League of Legends. I mean, you might be able to if your parents are awful, but I don't know. Uh, I just it, it's it's a marketing thing. I feel like it is probably too young. I think getting involved in high school is really where it needs to be. I'm not against this, however, I'm just trying to trying to keep it real, and I'm trying to stay positive. And I'm having a hard time staying positive. Well, maybe we need another maybe another another emotional video of someone driving around in a car. Maybe we should do the show from the car. Oh, we could. We could sit back. I called dibs on the baby seat in the back, though. That's fine. That's fine. The dog can sit up front. That'd right. be great. <laughs> uh, Fnatic has announced their new Twitch partnership. So this is very similar to the type of partnership we saw Twitch sign with TSM and Cloud9, which is largely a content promotion type uh, thing. Is, is any, does this amount to anything more than just marketing? Like, I, I don't know where these tend to go. No. I don't know. Maybe some emotes. End of story. Yep. I think this is a super short one. I don't know what to really add to this, but they make a big totally deal market. about it. But it's really just like, ah, we'll stick you on the front page. We'll have some, you know, specific fanatic emotes. Like it's it, that's just them. It's just a fancy way of saying like, yeah, we're locking into a, a streaming deal for our teams, and it's just another way of Twitch trying to work those. You know, exclusivity. Is it even worth it for them? Like, really? Like, if they just did no more exclusive deals, like, are Mixer and YouTube Gaming going to go anywhere to a point where it's worth the money they're spending on these exclusivity deals? And all I know that Twitch uh, and YouTube Gaming still get into battles over some streamers. Uh, but here's the yeah, but those streamers part. will regret it a year later when their contracts up. So you might as well just let well, them go and wallow. And yeah, I mean, they get paid if they do take it over there. But a lot of times too, it's it's almost uh, the funny part is that it's almost a bluff. Largely, from what I've heard from some people at YouTube Gaming, uh, is that they will approach the streamers, get them in kind of like a bidding war where Twitch will take less money from them or give them more money to do whatever. Right. Uh, and YouTube's like, all right, it's cool. But there's YouTube content is still on YouTube. Right. Um, but they're just not streaming in YouTube Gaming, and now it's cost Twitch money and that's happened on many many occasions. where twitch should do the opposite because i've heard a lot of these bluff deals that they make are often to try to they'll even offer to compensate the streamers for the lost revenue that they would yeah. get from coming over to youtube easiest way to get google to drop youtube gaming is for them to actually sign it up of these deals where you're like right. shit we're paying millions of dollars for this guy to stream and get five thousand viewers and i almost wonder if some of these people would move over say like dr disrespect who was approached i believe uh if he would jump over there and the amount of money he got from Twitch to stay on Twitch, would, would his viewers still follow him? Maybe, I think. Uh, but Some I don't would. know. I, but he wouldn't grow, though. That's the thing. It's about the nat- – the problem is, is can you keep up with the churn? Right. And that's really, really hard to do on a platform that doesn't have a lot of organic growth because one of the things that happens on Twitch is that uh, these streamers, even the popular ones, are churning audience over constantly. But there's enough people discovering them that the churn, especially on the subscriber side, is worth it. If you go over and you say bring 100,000 people over with you, which is probably being generous, like, and they start to slowly pull away, not just because you have the normal churn, but you have the extra churn of like, well, I don't spend any time on YouTube gaming except to see Dr. Disrespect. So going back to Twitch, sorry, who's going to replace those people? And it's like, yay, he got guaranteed income to a certain degree for a year. But what does it take him to build that audience back up in a year right. when he says F it and goes back to Twitch? Well, then there's nobody really for them to roll off onto. But how the hell do we get here? Anyways, moving on to the next one. <laughs> we, we like totally diverge into like streaming. You politics. said there was nothing to say, and then we had stuff all to right, say, which just wasn't about fanatics deal. Um, all right, so Titanfall is getting into the battle royale genre. Um, this is with the standalone game, which is called Apex Legends. Uh, it is largely going to be propped up. Well, it is going to be propped up by microtransactions. Are uh, are people going to jump into Titanfall for a battle royale mode? What was the last time you thought about Titanfall? Uh, well, not it's not been recently. I let's just move on. This is stupid. I don't even understand. Like, yeah, I really don't know. I think there's some some interesting mechanics in it. Yeah, I, I don't care. I, I think Titan before. Titanfall is just one of those games that kind of comes out. You play it for like however many months, and it just kind of dies off in terms of console because there's not a ton and ton of replay. Well, the first game was completely crippled by the fact that it was online only. Right, right. And so what happens is you kind of get screwed in that aspect. But they're doing it as a one-off. They're doing it as a one It's It's a one-off mode. Will they throw it? The thing would be 
I don't know. It, will they throw it into like trying to be an esport? Battle Royale is in saving it? games that didn't need saving. It sure as hell it was not going to like. Oh, this is the next Fortnite. Like, hey. I I don't know. I, I still feel like the Call of Duty people would just rather play Call of Duty than Titanfall. Like, I feel like those are very similar audiences in some ways. Yeah, I, just, um, I, I know Titanfall has some different aspects to it, but it, it just reminds me of like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, at least with like the ability to kind of like jetpack or like. I yeah, know. I mean, it is what it is. I, Hardcore, this is whatever. just, I, I'm just, I've, I've reached peak Battle Royale at this point. Like, everybody's adding a Battle Royale mode. Everybody's going to catch some of that Fortnite thunder. High res did it. Triarch did it. Everybody's doing it. Even games where it makes zero damn sense are doing it. That are, I can't even remember the name of the game I was going to use as the example. There's that little uh, Battle Arena game that we used to play a couple of years Battle ago. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then they're just like, oh, now we're a Battle Royale game. Like, what? Maple Story has it. Maple Story fucking has it. I mean, come on. Yeah, this I is, think we're done. This I think we're done stupid. with Battle Royale games. Done. We're not talking about it anymore. Done with Battle Royale games. Uh, last but not least, the Super Bowl has put everyone to sleep at this point, but you can still get the Fortnite NFL skins uh, even without changes to the things that made them controversial the first go around. Yeah, I was really surprised that they did bring these back. And didn't learn from the first go around, which basically made them pull it, or just didn't care. I don't know. Oh, it's totally a money grab. Super Bowl. Let's just go ahead and just throw these out there and make a bunch of money because it's a Super Bowl. But even then, like here's the point where, like, I wonder how much it Fortnite detracted from that that audience from the, the actual watching. Like, the we're not going to watch the Super Bowl. I'm going to run around and do stupid memes with the skins again. It's going to be right, great. Right, right. So I wonder how much it actually hurt the, the Super Bowl. I heard somebody talking about uh, back in the like 90s, how the Super Bowl halftime show used to be like really awful. Um, and Wait, what do you mean went, used to went, be really well, awful? Well, okay, even more awful than it was than it used to be, but or it is currently with Maroon 5 or whatever it is. Uh, sorry. Anyways, uh, in Fox, this is like Fox when it was like an infant in terms of an actual network, did a live uh, show of In Living Color during halftime. I remember that. And they, yeah, right? Like old school. And then they, they, they stole so many people from the actual football game that they dropped 20% of their audience after halftime because people didn't go back to the football game. They just kept watching Fox. WWE is doing that again. So back in like early 2000s, they did a thing called Halftime Heat, which was like an empty arena match between The Rock and Mankind. This year, they did like an NXT 3 versus 3 uh, tag team live during the thing and literally said, nobody wants to see Maroon 5. Come watch wrestling instead. Yeah, see? And it's almost like, ugh. But we talked about how... Uh, Netflix says their biggest competitor is Fortnite. Yep. And so I almost wonder, like, bringing this back for the Super Bowl, I, I'm waiting to hear whether or not NFL takes a hit. Now, granted, it's just a skin. It's not an actual event. And it's not just during the time of the Super Bowl. But I'm wondering how this is playing out. And I almost, I almost wonder, like, the fact that they, they yanked these so fast originally – uh, after they started getting like the Aaron Hernandez stuff. Well, the worst part is, is like, uh, so there's two new skins as part of this. They're home jerseys, home colorways for the two Super Bowl teams, which includes the Patriots, which means now you can remake all your stupid Aaron Hernandez videos in the away jersey. Oh, geez. But it's, it's one, it's totally a cash grab. It almost feels like it's like after the fact, largely because maybe they had one day left to fulfill that contract or they worked some deal with the NFL. Like, we'll just bring it back for the Super Bowl because it wasn't pushed up like beforehand. Like, Hey, we're bringing these back. There was like no real talk about it. They just like appeared. Boom. We're doing it. They announced this as quickly as they announced they were taking them away. (laughs) Right. Read into that what you will. They're all about the marshmallow event (sighs) until uh, evidently you found a way to work it in with almost to the end. Well, no, no, I'm not, wasn't trying to work it in there. I'm just saying like, they were event during the halftime. They should have. Oh, that would have killed. No, that would have been awful. That would have. I bet you if they wouldn't have brought the NFL, they were like, "Bring the NFL skins back, or we are going to put marshmallows live event during the Super Bowl." (laughs) I bet that's what would have happened. Evidently, that was a pretty good event. I didn't get a chance to watch. Uh, Here, there's a whole video where you can watch it replay out on YouTube. So, oh, sweet! I know what I'm going to bed doing. Nothing is more. This is like Second Life all over again. We'd make fun of Second Life for doing this crap. We do it in Fortnite. It's innovative and awesome. Yeah, it's not the first time it's ever happened, but whatever. whatever. Kids. Uh, silly, silly kids. That's going to do it for this week. You can catch us every Monday and Thursday on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eLeagueReport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're over there, be sure to leave us a five-star review because it makes Seven happy and feeling positive. No comment on that one. Okay. 
And if you want to troll us all directly, you can do that by joining us over at Discord at discord.elegreport.com. And uh, don't forget, we've got the upcoming FIFA tournament soon. Oh, yeah. I'm really hyped about that. Are you super hyped? I'm, I am I'm so hyped. Let's go. I can't go. Let's I ha- go. I have something let's going go. on at the end of February. No, I'm saying like, just like, let's go. Let's go. Like, hey, as okay. in you shout at like a screen, let's go. Jesus Christ. Somebody's going to have to... So before you watch this episode, even though I'm telling you this at the end after you've already listened to the whole episode, go look at these Blackbird videos so you get all the references and then re-listen to the episode. There you go. This That's is actually good. a weird, convenient way of boosting our numbers. This is like our version of Rivalries <laughs> tournaments. We're like, get to the end, watch a video, and then re-listen to the whole thing. I think, I, think, sorry, I think what we need to do is like halfway through the show, instead of a commercial break, just like throw in one of his videos... There you go. Let's go. Yeah, that's because you don't have to do the editing. And that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode of The Eve.